Hey, hi friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life Podcast. Thanks once again for joining me. It always feels like uh, you guys are a little bit more friends, even than like with my YouTube channel where I've got some stuff there. It's just a different feel over there than here on the podcast, and I always look forward to just being with you on each and every episode. So thanks for joining me again for this episode. And um, because of that, because you guys feel more like friends, just a few updates in my life. I, um, I'm going to be substituting this week at Boise Bible College, doing some teaching there uh, in the course of on the Book of Romans, and so got that coming up. A few weeks, I'm going to be over in Baker City, Oregon, preaching uh, at a church there, and I'm looking forward to, to that. Um, and if you missed it, I, I just here recently in the last week or so released a short little book. Um, you can get it as an ebook, or you can order it uh, as a print book if you want to on Amazon. I'll put the uh, link down below. But a short little book specifically on parenting, but really focusing on kind of the culture that we create in our homes as parents and how really that culture is far more important than even the strategies we use for training and disciplining our kids. So short little ebook that I just released and I'm really excited about that. It's just a lot of the core values of things that have shaped me as a parent. And now that I see my kids having kids and I'm a grandparent, I really want to get some of those things in print. So put that together. And if you want to check that out, um, you can go to preparethemtoflourish.com. I'll put the link in the notes below, and you can check that out as well. And also, I haven't mentioned it for a while, but I'd love for you, if you're of a mind to, to to go and check out the courses page on my website, johnwhitaker.net slash courses, and just check out some of the courses I have there. I've got a Bible survey course that really tells the big story of the Bible and how all the books fit in. I've got a Bible study skills course that focuses on really... The practices and principles and habits and tools for how to how to read and study the Bible effectively. I got a core beliefs course and a spiritual growth course, and so four core courses on there that would be worth checking out. Particularly, and I would just like to mention the core beliefs course. It's really an opportunity for us to think through the core values and core components of a Christian worldview so that we can follow Jesus more effectively. I, I just think it's so important. It's about four four and a half hours worth of. Uh, video content. And man, the courses that I have on my page, I'm making them super affordable for people. Courses, online courses like this are oftentimes selling online for two, three, four, five hundred dollars. And my courses are either $39 or $59. That core beliefs course is $59. So trying to make that super affordable, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of work uh, went into that, but trying to make it super affordable so that anybody and everybody who wants to just really understand the Christian faith more, understand what it means to follow Jesus more, can afford those courses. So I invite you to check out the courses page of my uh, of my website and maybe check out some of those courses that might be helpful to you as well. All right, and I'll put that in the notes below as well. On a more personal note, yesterday was Easter Sunday. At least I don't know when you're listening to it, but I'm recording it the day after Easter and um, it was just wonderful to spend time with family and be able to enjoy a nice meal and have a good church service and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together as a family. And I pray and trust that you had a blessed and wonderful Easter as well. And in view of that, I wanted to um, I wanted just to kind of take our podcast over the next few weeks in a very specific direction. We wrapped up uh, a series on the parables of Jesus in our last episode. And moving forward from here on, I want to really focus on um, Christian hope and what that means. And uh, obviously that grows naturally out of the resurrection, and so that makes good sense. Um, but I also think that, that 
Christian hope is just so important and is and sometimes in some ways so neglected. Sometimes even in conservative kind of evangelical Christian churches, we've taken the elements of Christian hope, and by that I mean things relating to the end times, and we've turned those into things to debate about. And I think, man, what a strategy of the devil to squash our hope by getting us to debate how it's all going to play out. And as a result, we just kind of, I don't know how it's going to work out. And we don't think about it. And that kind of diminishes and squashes down our hope. And that's just terribly unfortunate because Christian hope in the Bible is not something that's to be debated about. It's something that's to fuel the way we live and to give us energy and passion. And and so I really want to just take some time over the next few episodes and, and begin to think through some things related to our hope as believers. And in view of Easter Sunday yesterday, man, what a mixed day it was for Christians around the world on Easter Sunday. In one sense, you you wake up with the excitement and the knowledge that it's Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. And we have this great hope that we have. And yet, if you were like me, I woke up that way. And then the next thing I noticed... Um, really through someone who posted on social media and then I went to the news to check it out, was the tragic events in Sri Lanka um, on Easter morning as several churches and hotels were bombed. And, man, Easter in certain parts of the world is always a time of really there's threats to the Christian faith and there's threats to people who are trying to follow Jesus and there's this attempt to, to... to squash the news about Jesus and squash the message of the resurrection. And, and so there we, there we are on Easter morning, reminded that this world is not everything it's cracked up to be. And our Christian hope isn't, uh, or our Christian faith isn't always safe, that it's, it's a, sometimes a dangerous sort of thing and that the world doesn't always support that. And, and that tension, that's where we live. And that's really why hope, Specifically, Christian hope is so important. We live in a world marked by things that aren't the way they're supposed to be. And we have personally all sorts of unmet expectations and even unmet desires and longing in the world in which we live. We, Whether it's the tragic news of what happened in Sri Lanka and knowing that our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering there, whether it's um, loved ones being ravaged by cancer or some other disease and watching their body shrivel up and slowly inch towards death, whether it's um, the, the disappointment that comes in this world by relationships falling apart, marriages breaking apart, um, people who you thought would be there for you to the end, turning their back on you, rejecting you, or just drifting away, family members just being difficult to live with or hard to get along with family itself, just being kind of this mixed bag of, of good and bad and um, blessings and then other stuff that's just disappointing, right? We live in this world where uh, unmet expectations are a reality. We live in this world where disappointment is a reality and where life doesn't always turn out the way we thought. And it doesn't matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Life takes twists and turns and doesn't always end up where we thought it would end up. And into that, the message about Jesus speaks a word of hope. Not sentimental hope, not pie in the sky kind of hope, but living hope, real hope, solid, secure hope 
that can address our deepest longings and our deepest needs and our deepest wants. And so that's really where I want to go in, uh, over the next few weeks in this podcast. We want happily ever after. But if we're hoping to get happily ever after in the world as it now is and in the life that we now live, we are going to be sorely disappointed and we're going to have frustration and disappointment. We're going to have to try all sorts of things to make our, you know, bring joy and gratitude to our life. If we, if we expect this world and life as it now is to bring us the happily ever after we always long for, man. Life is going to be a frustrating thing for us, and bitterness, cynicism, resentment may just as well creep in. And that's why we need hope. Hope has been called the forgotten virtue of our time. And although we live in an era where we have so many resources, we have so many technological advances, right? It feels like on some levels that we're making great progress as a a human uh, family, Um, We also live in a time, at least in my culture, my country here in America, that it feels like we have diminished hope. And sadly, even in the church, I feel like sometimes uh, we have diminished hope. We rarely preach on hope. Uh, We uh, Protestants very rarely even write about hope. And when they do, they don't write about it very well. Frankly, most of the best writings about Christian hope actually comes from uh, Catholic scholars and Catholic authors. And for whatever reason, they seem to have done better thinking about all of that. And and, um, it is tempting for us. I love this line from one author. It is tempting for us to replace the, the biblical idea of hope, that really the virtue almost of hope, with what he says, what he calls flimsy substitutes that cannot possibly give us what our souls ultimately need. And so we need to think about hope and we need to think about it deeply and clearly and fully. And so can't be done in one podcast. And I want to do that over the next few weeks. And I want to begin uh, by just reading this passage out of Romans chapter 8 to us as we begin to think about hope here on the Bible and Life podcast. Romans chapter 8 verses 24 and 25 says this, for in hope we have been saved. That's really important, that line. Don't just dismiss that line. For in hope we have been saved. Notice what he says, we have been saved. We already have the salvation that God has promised. So yes, we are in a state of having been saved and that begins now and it goes on forever. But that salvation that we we already experience now, that we already possess now, we don't have yet in fullness and therefore we have hope. We've been saved in hope. We've been saved with a future look. We've been saved with our gaze upon the future when everything will really be fulfilled. And so we can begin to experience new creation now. We begin to experience redemption now. We begin to experience the life of the future now, but we don't have it in fullness. And so in hope we have been saved. And then Romans 8 goes on and says, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Like, you don't hope for what you already have, for who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, and that's the state we've been saved in, where we don't see all the realities that are are promised to us. We don't see everything that God has for us, for in hope we've been saved. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance. 
with endurance. We eagerly wait for it. Now, just a couple thoughts on hope in general, um, and particularly the way the Bible uses the word, that this word translated hope in our English versions of the Bible doesn't often doesn't mean what, what we often mean by the word hope in the English language. Oftentimes when we use the word hope in the English language, we almost mean it like a wish. Man, I hope it turns out this way. And what we mean by that is, I wish. Man, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. But man, it would be awesome if. And it's almost this vague sort of, I don't really know, this kind of wish. Or, you know, a, a kid might say, I hope for Christmas I get. I don't know, but it's kind of, the, I wish for this. But in the Bible, hope is certain. Hope is certain. When it says, in hope we have been saved, it's not saying, oh man, it might turn out this way. It might. No, there's a certainty to biblical hope. What it refers to is some sort of future reality that we don't yet see, we don't yet possess, some sort of future reality, but we confidently expect and anticipate it to occur. We're certain of it. We're certain it's going to happen. We're certain... Uh, so certain that we expect it and we anticipate it, we just don't have it yet. And that's why we, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Because we know it's coming. We're certain of it. We just don't know when. That's really important. Biblical hope is certain. It's a confident expectation in, of a future reality that we anticipate coming someday. And so we wait for it eagerly. We're looking forward to it. So when we talk about gifts, it's not so much, oh, gee, I hope for Christmas I get. It's we know Christmas is coming. We just don't know exactly when in the case of biblical hope. It's a certain reality. Also, as we reflect on the meaning of this word hope, let me read you this quote that I think is just really insightful and can be helpful to us, all right? Hope, biblical hope, is not this worldly optimism. It's not just having, you know, believing there's a silver lining behind every cloud. It's not just believing, oh, everything will eventually work out all right. It's not this worldly optimism. It's not just being optimistic. Uh, Hope is not this worldly optimism, this author says. In fact, from a purely natural perspective, pessimism is the right attitude. If you just look around at the world and the way things are, if, if we're just going with what this world has to offer, pessimism is better than optimism. Hope, he says, is the supernatural virtue which orders our desire towards heaven and the things of heaven. That's what we're really focused on. Hope is a supernatural virtue. It's something that comes about um, not just by having an optimistic spirit. It comes about by supernatural means. It comes about because of heaven and the things of heaven. So here in Romans 8, when Paul says that we are saved in hope and we with perseverance eagerly wait for it, it's not just we're saved and we're optimistic generally because we even have some vague sense of God. No, we, we have this supernatural um, virtue of hope that comes from our, our conviction that heaven's ultimately in charge and heaven ultimately will fulfill its promises. In other words, God's kingdom will come and God's will will be done. There will be a day when that will happen and all will be made new and everything will work the way it's supposed to. We have great confidence in that day and that's the reason we 
we can live in this world of unmet expectations, of no happily ever afters, or even limited happily after afters. We can we can live in this world where uh, bombings happen on Easter, and we can do so with courage, with gratitude, and with joy, not because we're optimistic, and not because this world is perfect. We can do so because we have confidence that God, heaven's king, will one day establish his reign upon earth and make everything right again. And here's what that means then, practically speaking, when it says we're saved in hope. It means that hope, in a certain sense, for the follower of Jesus, is an act of the will. It's not just a nice idea. It's an act of the will. I choose to fix my gaze on the future that God has promised and God has planned, and I am certain it'll come about. So I, I with an act of the will, I set my sights on that And I live towards that, and I live today in light of that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, Let us hold fast. That's act of the will language. Let us hold on to, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Well, he who promised is faithful. He who promised is trustworthy. God will bring it about. God will make all things new. God will set everything right someday. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us set our gaze on that and let us live in light of that. Let us therefore have this resilient stance towards life where come hell or high water, come what may, God will prevail. And that's not just empty optimism or pie in the sky. That's because God promised and God always keeps his promise. One writer reflecting on our hope said that hope diminishes when we forget who we are and where we're going. Hope diminishes when we forget who we are and where we're going, that we are the children of the living God, that we are pilgrims on a journey to God and to the world God has prepared for us. And so we need to remember who we are, that we are God's children on a journey, and where we're going, we're going to the eternal kingdom that God has prepared for his people. We're going to the new heavens and the new earth and the wedding feast of the Lamb. We're going to that great banquet that God has prepared for all of those who love him and are waiting for his appearing. So our Our ability to live with hope isn't determined by our optimistic spirit. It's not determined by our own resolve. It's not determined by the goodness of our life or the circumstances of our life. It's not determined by putting on rose-colored glasses and ignoring the messes of this world. Our ability to live with hope is determined not by our power or our resources or our ingenuity. It's determined by God's inexhaustible love and goodness by the promises he's made to bring good to us and good to this world and we trust him our God is faithful and what he has said he will do we do and so we are saved in hope and with perseverance we eagerly wait for it as Paul says there in Romans 8. And Romans 8 then ends with this crescendo of really culminating in this great praise to God, saying that if God is for us, who can be against us? And because of that, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
And that's the hope we live with, that God, who is inexhaustibly good, who has inexhaustible love for us, will fulfill his promises to us and to this world to make all things new and to set all things right. And we are pilgrims on a journey to that day and to that world when God makes it so. So over the next couple weeks on on the Bible and life, I just plan on releasing episodes where we take some of the passages that explore what are some of the components of our hope? What, what are some of the elements we're looking forward to? What are some of the things God has promised so that as we look forward to that day, we can fan into flame our hope and we can live with great hope in this world because of what God has promised for us. And so that's where we're going to go uh, over the next few weeks. Once again, thanks for joining me on this episode of The Bible and Life. Thanks for your continued encouragement and support in various ways, whether it be your prayers, whether it be the, the notes you send me, just letting me know you're listening or ways the show has encouraged you. Uh, if you're able to give financially, and a number of you do, thanks so much for that and um, donating to this, this work, either through World Family Mission or through... Uh, Patreon and by becoming a patron. Thanks so much for your support. That way it means the world to my wife and I that you would invest in our Bible teaching ministry this way. So thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. God bless you guys and we will see you on the next episode of the Bible and Life.